Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Got a package full of wishes. A time machine, a magic wand, a glow made out of gold. No instructions or commandments. Laws of gravity or indecisions to uphold. Printed on the box I see. Acme's build a world to be. Take a chance, grab a piece. Help me to It's a nice question from the group five for fighting. What kind of world do you want? Jimmy Carter, of course, entering hospice care at home on this President's Day, number 39. I'm watching old video right now on MSNBC of him and his wife making that walk towards the White House when he won back in 1978. And he turned out to be a complete disaster. 77, excuse me. Complete disaster, but... Nice man, did some great things since Habitat for Humanity, all those great things. And it's very, very sad, but civility is out the window. And again, I repeated this three times already this morning. Trey Gowdy said it last night on Fox News that he doesn't think Ronald Reagan would win today because Reagan was too civil. Our next guest is the epitome of civility. They don't come more civil. He is uh, just an unbelievably great attorney, constitutional attorney. And uh, loved and revered by everybody on both sides, especially me, Sid. And that's our friend Alan Dershowitz. Alan, it's Sid and Andrew Giuliani. How are you, pal? Hey, it's great to be on with you. Happy President's Day. You know, <clears throat> I knew every president since um, since John Kennedy, except for George Bush, number one. I was privileged to know every single one of them. And we have been so blessed to have great presidents. You can disagree. I only voted for half of them. But, uh, you know, when when we think of George Washington and Adams and and Jefferson and Lincoln and and, and Washington and, 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 you know, Roosevelt up through the current presidents, we've been so, so fortunate with our presidents in general. And we ought to treat them with respect. Look, Jimmy Carter asked for my advice when he was running for president. I worked very closely with him. I ended up disagreeing with him fundamentally on Israel and some other issues. But. You know, I wish him well. He's a great man, yes. and he's done wonderful things for humanity. And I wouldn't say anything anything kind of horrible about any of our presidents the way some people do. There isn't a single president, and I include Franklin Pierce and Harrison, who didn't do something good for America. Uh, and, you know, Donald Trump is among them. Uh, you can disagree with things, but the Abraham Accords will go down in history as among the greatest accomplishments of any president ever. And, uh, you know, there's no such thing as the totally good, totally bad. That's why we have elections. And that's why I have a new book coming out called Get Trump, which mm. says basically mm. that even though I'm not for Trump, um, I don't want to see anybody stop him from running. I want to have the right to vote against him for the third time. Uh, and people are trying <laughs> to stop him from running and are violating civil liberties and human rights and the rule of law. And that's wrong. You see, Alvin, I come from the sports talk days. I started yeah. that before I did this. And I have to tell you that I was critical of Pat Riley 
despite his amazing record after a loss. I was critical of Bill Walsh and Bill Parcells. So I disagree. I think when you become president, you put yourself up for that. And while while some have done some good things, some have done a lot more bad than good, which included Jimmy Carter and the guy right now. I'm sorry. I can criticize Joe Biden all day and not feel badly about it. And I can criticize Bill Belichick. And uh, I, I challenge you to criticize Sandy Kopech, though. Come up with anything. <laughs> that. That I, I wouldn't do. Walk back. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I'm from the days of the Brooklyn Dodgers, of uh, Jackie Robinson, of Carl Ferrillo, of Pee Wee Reese, of Duke Snyder. They were real menches. Uh, do you know they used to go to, they, except for Robinson, he needed security. The rest of them used to go to the ballpark by train. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I went to high school four blocks away from Evans Field, and I would meet, my, gr- my group and I would meet Carl Ferrillo. We knew what train he was on, and we would jog with Carl Ferrillo from the train station, I think it was on Nostrand Avenue, to Ebbets Field. And, and these guys would sign autographs. They'd ask you about how their parents are doing. They were great guys. It was, a, it, it was a different era. I mean, to just to, to move from baseball to football, about the same time, you'll appreciate this, of course, uh, uh, Andy Robustelli, the Hall of Fame yeah. defensive lineman for the Giants. They didn't make the money they made today like these Brooklyn Dodger oh, players. Andy would play football and then run his own family's hardware store on Flappish Avenue and talk to folks like you and I are talking right now. It's a yeah. different era. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, or Ali Sherman, guys like that. I mean, the, these, uh, you know, if I hadn't been a law professor, I would have been a sports announcer. Yeah. I love sports. <laughs> <laughs> and I would have called that play in Philadelphia where the guy tugged on his jersey if I had been an umpire. I think a little <laughs> bit differently, but, uh, uh, I, I, you know, I love sports. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, politics has become a blood sport. That has, and yeah, uh, yeah. and and I wish you know I wish we would have more respect for our president on President's Day. Sure, criticism. In fact, criticism is the mark of respect. If you don't criticize somebody, then you don't take him seriously. There isn't a single president. You know, Lincoln suspended the writ of habeas corpus. Uh, Roosevelt detained 110,000 Americans in detention centers because they were Japanese. Uh, 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 Jefferson bought Louisiana. Thank God for that, but he did it illegally. He abused his power in doing it. It wasn't his job to do that. It was Congress's job to do it. So, you know, we, we've had mixed presidencies, but on balance, they've been absolutely great. Is there one that stands out for you? Again, you fall short of criticizing these guys too harshly. But is there one, Alan Dershowitz, that during your lifetime you can say, wow, this guy really got it? Well, there are so many. Lincoln, of course, you know, it's, it's all situational. Bill Clinton once said to me the only thing he regrets about his presidency is that there were no major crises that tested his ability. Of course, Lincoln had the Civil War, Roosevelt the Second World War. You know, Teddy Roosevelt is under underestimated in America. That guy built the West. Every single national park that we have, all this great, you know, Yellowstone and all that, it's all Roosevelt's foresight. He was the first environmental uh, president. Uh, there are so many great ones, but I think probably Lincoln, because of the way he was tested and the way he ended his life, has to go down as probably the greatest the greatest president um, in history. But, you know, without Washington, we wouldn't have had a country. He was offered to become king, and uh, he was offered to run forever. And, of course, he said no. He wanted it to be a republic. And uh, he really formulated the country in in, in a way, and, and, and even Hamilton, who was never president, he, he created the economy in the United States. He created federalism. Uh, 
you know, these are these are incredible men. Hamilton, the smartest, dumbest man who ever lived. <laughs> the, smartest, the smartest of the founding fathers. And the idiot gets into a duel with somebody who has better aim than he has just a couple of years after his son is killed in a duel. What a jerk. Yep. Yeah. Yep. You know, really is truly the greatest experiment still, even with our challenges. But you mentioned before blood sport, politics becoming blood sport. I love your perspective. And one of the things that I've seen, which has changed so much, even in my lifetime, is how much the Justice Department has become political over the course of the last 10, 12, 15 years. What's your perspective on that, especially considering your incredible background in the legal profession? Well, the Justice Department is one of the most important institutions in America because it decides who to prosecute. The attorney general has an impossible job. It's a schizophrenic job. On the one hand, he's a member of the cabinet. He's supposed to help his president get elected. He's supposed to be loyal to his president. On the other hand, he's supposed to be the chief law enforcement officer of the country. You know, in England, there are two jobs. One, the director of public prosecution. He's the one who decides who gets prosecuted. And the other, the the minister of justice, who's uh, loyal to the president. Israel, the same thing. Minister of justice, loyal to the prime minister. And then an attorney general, who's a non-political appointee. The United States should divide that job into two so that there's a civil servant who's head of the prosecution group of the Justice Department. And you can't politicize something if you're a, a civil servant. Whereas uh, if you are working for the president, if you're in the cabinet, of course you want him to be reelected. And of course you want to make sure that the people who are opposed to him uh, don't get treated as fairly as the people who are in favor of him. So it's a, an impossible, terrible job, and it ought to be divided into two. But you're absolutely right. It's become politicized. Alan Dershowitz here on Sid and Friends in the Morning. Alan, you mentioned uh, President Trump earlier on this President's Day. He announced a couple of months ago he's running again. Nikki Haley has joined. Yeah. It looks like Ron DeSantis on Staten Island today will be coming relatively soon. Tim Scott, a host of others. But there are still some people out there a little worried that some of these legal issues in front of Trump, whether it's Georgia, January 6th, Mar-a-Lago, may derail that train at some point. Where are we, Alan, in Trump's legal battles? Well, uh, obviously, he has lots of legal battles. Uh, I've studied them all very carefully. I don't think a single one of them rises to the level of criminal conduct. On the other hand, I don't think Benjamin Netanyahu's uh, alleged conduct rises to uh, criminal conduct, and he's being indicted. So you, you never know. But uh, uh, the the, the uh, Georgia thing may end up in uh, an indictment, but he'll win the case because his statement was so ambiguous. He said, find me, find me 10,000 or whatever votes. Find me means it could mean discover, find they're there, but find them, or it could mean invent. And you can't prosecute somebody on the basis of an ambiguous statement like that. You can't prosecute him on Mar-a-Lago without prosecuting Biden. And so I don't think, unless there are business deals that we don't know about, I don't think the two big ones, January 6th, um, uh, the three big ones, January 6th and and, and Mar-a-Lago and uh, the election, I don't think will result in criminal prosecution. If it does, by the way, he'll run under indictment the way Mayor Curley ran from prison, and it would probably increase and enhance his chances. It would certainly strengthen his base. So I think it's a big mistake to be going after him. And in, in my new book, Get Trump, I make all the arguments <laughs> against why Love he this. should not be prosecuted. 
He's you're good. I mean, we were just talking about uh, George Washington's 110 rules of civility, and and we've realized at the break that while he was an incredible president, he would not make a great morning radio host. No. Uh, I feel the exact no. opposite about you, Alan Dershowitz. Not that you wouldn't make a great president, but that you would make a fantastic morning radio host on top of that and a great sports announcer. Well, you know that uh, uh, Katz, uh, obviously your boss in some ways, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, he wanted to put me on to do a special show every Sunday about Brooklyn, uh, re- uh, reminiscences of the old Brooklyn and the new Brooklyn. Right. And uh, yeah, I'd love to do that. I mean, you know, I, I talk a lot, and I grew up in a family where nobody would shut up. <laughs> and uh, and uh, so, you know, when you grow up in the streets of Brooklyn, you better learn how to talk or else you'll never say another word in your life. That's uh, true, and that's where I grew up, 2216 Quentin Road, two blocks away from Madison High School. My mom went there. My dad went to Lincoln High School, Allen. I am Brooklyn through and through. As a little boy, my mom and dad would take me to Dubrow's on East 16th Street and Kings Highway, that, right there in Brooklyn. I All remember, my memories. Yeah. Did you go? I'm sure you went there too, right? No, it wasn't kosher. So I went to Junior's, oh. and I got special permission to be able to eat only the cheesecake. Um, <laughs> well, what would be, if, if you were going to do that show, because this fascinates me, as I always say the greatest people ever, no disrespect to the Bronx, my former partner, Bernie in Manhattan, but the greatest people God ever created came from Brooklyn. Give me one or two stories quickly you would use if, in fact, this Sunday was your first Brooklyn show. <laughs> oh, there are so many, so many stories. There are some good ones and there are some bad ones. Uh, let me start with a bad one. My mentor at Brooklyn College was John Hope Franklin, the first African-American chairman of a history department. And I studied with him enormously. And, you know, he taught at Brooklyn College. He couldn't rent an apartment near Brooklyn College. Even back in 1957, he had to move away. Uh, Jackie Robinson had to move into the home of uh, the Simons from Simon & Schuster because he couldn't rent a house in Brooklyn. So, you know, with all the goods of Brooklyn, eh, there was a little bit of racism there, a little <laughs> bit of racism there, too. But, uh, uh, you know, there are so many good things. Yeah. There are so many good things. Yeah. And I would want to emphasize the good things. Of course. And uh, today, of course, I couldn't afford to live in Brooklyn. When I moved back to New York, I said, I'm going to go back to Brooklyn. I couldn't afford it. I had to move to Sutton Place. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, it depends. If you move to Dumbo or downtown, you're right. But there's still parts of, like, Marine Park and – Bay Ridge, I guess, and Bensonhurst that are still yeah, affordable. Yeah, Park. I yeah. could go to Borough Park, but <laughs> yeah, Borough Park. would never leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> come on. It's true. Uh, when does this book, Get Trump, come out for all of us to read? In about two weeks. Oh, wow. Uh, you, can, you can already order it on Amazon, and, uh, you know, you'll get it the day it comes out. And I think people will enjoy it. Whether you're a liberal or conservative, whether you vote for Trump or not, uh, nobody should see anybody uh, picked on by the legal system and have the legal system directed to trying to prevent him from running, which is what's going on. New yep. York Times had a big op-ed the other day, one of my former students, saying, be prepared for an indictment. Uh, but uh, these guys have gotten it wrong all the time because they confuse their predictions with what they want to happen. The reason I usually get it right is I never let my personal views interfere with what I think is going to happen legally. I'm a legal analyst, and I always call it the way I see it. By the way, according to my dear friend Joseph Abudo, who helped honor Friday night at the National Arts 
I guess, museum or center in a lower Manhattan, Gramercy Park. He says, ask Allen, who he played against in college basketball. He claims you played college basketball against the great designer Ralph Lauren. Is that true? High school. High, high school. school. Madison Square Garden, April 1964. Wow. Uh, he was not a great ball player, but he really dressed well. He really dressed well. And his name was Ralphie Lipschitz, and I still have the program. Dershowitz, number 99. Ralphie Lipschitz, I think it was number 17. This is great. He beat us, beat us badly. But I got to play in Madison Square Garden, so that was a big thrill. Alan, it's always a big thrill having you here. Thank you so much for another great appearance, buddy. Thank you so much. All right, take care. There he is, a great constitutional lawyer, Alan Dershowitz, right here on Sit and Friends in the Morning. Wrapping up our number three, Dr. Mark Siegel on Sit's Take Still to Come. Keep it right here on Monday morning with us. Fill the oceans without.